Let's pray. Lord, as we have heard your word, we have seen those things which are against your law, and we have seen those things which are not against the law, those fruit of the Spirit. May we be those kind of people who truly have radical freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. I used to teach uh, United States history and constitution. In fact, at one point, I was that person you had to pass my class in order to get out of school, that constitution test. You had to pass uh, Illinois constitution as well. And so uh, I, I'm not quite a constitutional um, guru, but I know a little bit about it. I, I was going to start today by asking you what the original freedom was that was granted here in the United States. In fact, I might just ask that anyway. The original freedom, number one freedom here in America. I'm going to give you a little clue. It's found in the Bill of Rights, and it is the very first amendment. I hear a lot of stuff, but I don't understand any of it. <laughs> I'll tell you. The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, there's two things in that, that little amendment. It says, first of all, that government cannot tell us if we can worship. It also tells us that they cannot tell us when, where, or how we are to worship. But this morning, however, I want to look at something far deeper than political freedom or even the freedom to worship, which is very important. I want us to look at what it really means to be spiritually free. It's a very important topic because I think a lot of people aren't really spiritually free. They're still all bound up by things like stress and worry, bitterness, guilt, regrets, fears, that whole long list of things that Jimmy read to you before, they're all bound up in that, and so they're not really free. But yet, Jesus says to us in John 8, 36, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now the question is, what does it mean to be free indeed? Well, I can tell you very simply, it means to be radically free. That's our message today, radical freedom. But I want to ask two questions to try to answer them, to explain what radical freedom is, and second of all, how can we get it? How can we experience it? Well, there's the first thing I'm going to tell you, that radical freedom is a clear conscience. It means that all of my guilt is wiped away. It means all of my sins are forgiven. Now, that's very important because psychologists tell us that guilt and resentment are life's two most destructive emotions. You cannot be guilty, you cannot have resentment towards someone else and be happy at the same time. It just does not work. Not long ago, filling my van up with gas, I saw a little sign by the pump and it said, a clean engine gives more power. I think we all know that. You got a bunch of junk in your trunk or in your gas tank, your car is not going to run very well. Well, I know people that are much the same way. They're tired all the time. They're worn out all the time. Why? It's because they're carrying a garbage bag full of guilt and resentment around with them. But God said a whole long time ago, let it go. Leave it up here. Leave it for me. 
In the book of Colossians, Paul said to the, the Christians there, God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all of our sins. In other words, we don't need to carry that junk around, that garbage sack full of guilt and resentment. 1 Corinthians 1.8 says, God will keep you free from all blame on that great day when our Lord Jesus Christ returns. You know, I think there are even Christians who are a little bit afraid of Judgment Day. They're a little bit afraid that when God comes back to judge both the heavens and the earth, that when you get to heaven, God is going to take you into the room. He's going to say, Jason, we're going to put this big IMAX theater up here, and we are going to show you every last evil, wicked, bad, and nasty thing you ever did. There are some people who think that. But that's not going to happen. If your trust is in Jesus, what did that passage just said? He paid for it. There's no more guilt. There's no more resentment. There's nothing there. Nobody's going to bring that up in your face. <coughs> I don't know if you ever thought about this, but when you hold on to guilt, that's an insult to Jesus. Let me roll that around in your brain for a while. When you hold on to guilt or resentment, that's an insult to Jesus who went to the cross for that. See, radical freedom is a clear conscience. It doesn't make you perfect, but it means you're radically forgiven. Now here's the second thing. Radical freedom means personal access to God. I don't know if you could imagine what it would be like if you had absolute freedom, absolute access to the President of the United States. Let's say you had the ability to walk into the Oval Office any time of the day, morning, noon, or night, sit down with President Obama and talk to him about whatever was on your mind. <coughs> That'd probably be pretty cool. But when you accept Jesus, or when I think about little Ava, now that she is God's child, guess what? She now has personal access to the creator of the universe. You don't have to pray through Mary. You don't have to pray through any saint. You don't have to have a priest or a pastor do all of your praying for you. Now, I know that there are a lot of people say, they come up to me and say, Barry, pray for me. You know, they, they call pastor, pray for me. I don't know, as if somehow my prayers are better than everybody else's. I got news for you. They're not. In fact, I may just be the professional prayer. I mean, your prayers are just as valid as my prayers. They have the same direct access to God. Why? Because you're a child of God like I'm a child of God. Ephesians 3.12 says, In Christ and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, guess what? God doesn't give that privilege just to anybody. God gives direct, personal access to Himself only through Jesus. I mean, we're going to look about, I'm, at, I'm thinking about here, I, I can see Ava right where I'm, where I'm, where'd she go? I'm looking at the wrong game. I'm looking at the wrong, wrong baby. There's a baby there, there's one right there. Oh, that's right. Hoist her up there a little bit. One's got the headband, one's got the top knot. I'll get the difference here. The cool thing about baptism is that it's like the key that unlocks so many things. It, it, baptism is God's key to unlock direct access. In Hebrews 4, it says, Let us feel free to come before God's throne. Here there is grace, and we can receive grace and mercy to help us when we need it. Now, when do you need grace and mercy? I don't know about you, but about 24-7, 365. That's what I needed. I got instantaneous access. Somebody asked me one time, uh, Do you know Jesus? I said, Yeah, I talked to him just this morning. And they like, What? 
uh, I think they're going to try to witness to me, but I mean, if you talk to him this morning, like you talk to anybody else. Well, here's the third thing. Radical freedom is the power to do what's right. Now, I need to explain this because I think a lot of people have a kind of a faulty or immature view of what freedom is. Now, most people think that freedom means no rules. No rules or regulations. In fact, I used to always laugh at high school kids when I was teaching high school. They'd come up to me and they'd say, Mr. Kolb, I can't wait to graduate because then I'm going to be free from you and I'm going to be free from my parents. I'm going to be free from all authority. And I'd say, well, what are you going to do when you graduate from high school? And they'd say, I'm going to join the Army. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what my response was to them. <laughs> Good luck. I mean, it can be your boss, it can be the government, but you're going to have to serve somebody sometime, somewhere. Now, there are limitations in every area of life. Even if you think you're the boss of the company, there's still somebody above you that's going to tell you what to do. Let me explain this to you very clearly. Freedom is not the absence of limits. Freedom is the power of God to say yes to the right stuff and no to all that stuff that messes you up and messes you over. See, freedom is far more positive and far more powerful than simply no limits, no rules, no, no, no regulations. But I, I want to give you an example. I read this story this last week. I think it's worth sharing. This young man writes, My parents were the typical liberated baby boomers that were probably hippies growing up. There weren't many boundaries in our home growing up. My dad thought he was being cool, allowing me to experiment with sex and even drugs. My sister and I were encouraged to find our bliss. We were encouraged to do whatever we felt like doing in the name of creativity and freedom. By the time we were in our mid-twenties, both my sister and I were really messed up and confused. My sister had had two abortions. I got AIDS. My new wife left me because I couldn't end my addiction to meth and porn. My so-called freedom wasn't freedom at all. It was a sham. On the outside, I appeared to be enjoying the fast life, but inside I was enslaved. Enslaved to my own fears, my own insecurities, and my own compulsions. I needed somebody to free me from myself. And if I put another word at the end of that story, I'd have written, bingo. <laughs> yeah. You do need somebody to free you from yourself. And if you could, you would. But because you can't, you won't. I mean, all of us here, every last one of us, from front to back, from James all the way to the back, all have some things about ourselves that we really don't like. But guess what? You don't and I don't have the power to stop them. The only kind of power that's going to stop some of the sinful behavior we have in our life is the power that comes from God. Go out to a bookstore. Go out to Books A Million. You can find shelf upon shelf of self-help books. And the reason is that there's so many self-help books written every year, you know, like, you know, how to improve your relationships, how to get married in 10 days, all that kind of nonsense, is because people have this innate desire somehow to change themselves. Now, I don't want to put down all self-help books because some of them actually have some pretty good advice. But there's one thing a self-help book will not give you. It will not give you the power 
to do what that self-help book is telling you to do. I'm going to give you an example. Maybe this is going to land pretty close to home. Any of you ever decided you were going to go on a diet, got a diet book? So what do you do? You take your diet book and you sit down in your big lazy chair and you grab a bag of potato chips and a Coke. And you start reading this diet book and you're thinking to yourself, boy, this is really good. In fact, I'm going to go get a hot... Hey, somebody bring me a highlighter over here because I want to underline some parts. This is really good stuff. In fact, I'm going to... I'm going to commit some of this stuff to memory. In fact, I think I should write this on little cards and carry it around with me. But do they ever actually do anything about it? No. That's because they don't have the power to do the right thing. They need to tap into something where they can say, God, I need your power to stop doing the wrong thing. See, radical freedom is the freedom to change. In Romans chapter 6, it said, Our old sinful self was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Now think about that. We're set free from the power of sin. Does that mean you're going to be perfect then? No. Set free from the power of sin is saying that now I have the power to not do it. Before, it was just me battling my addictions. Before, it was just me battling all of my bad habits. But now, I actually have a power outside myself to be able to say no to the bad and yes to the good. Here's number four. Radical freedom is living with meaning and purpose. I think this is really important because a lot of people are really all bound up. They're really not living. A lot of people are, I just say they're kind of existing. They're just kind of coasting through life, not sure what life is all about. And as a result, they're always looking for something to fill that emptiness in their life. There are some people who say, man, if I could just get married, then everything would be okay. Or if I could just have the right boyfriend or girlfriend, it would be okay. Or if I just had the right job, that would fill my emptiness. I mean, everybody's looking for something to fill that empty spot. Now, it may be a pill. It may be a bottle, it may be television, it may be pornography. It may actually be something that in and of itself is not so bad. But you know, friends, this God-shaped hole that we all have in us is not going to be filled with anything other than God. First Peter said, God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. I looked up that word empty again in the Greek. I love doing that. It means worthless, purposeless, useless, or futile. Now, if you want to know what an empty life is, watch TMZ. Some of you have no idea what that is. Watch Access Hollywood. Read People Magazine or the National Enquirer. It's all about vanity. It's all about useless stuff. That's why the magazine Vanity Fair is really a stupid magazine title. Because it means we're all about nothing. I don't know if you, know, you ever thought about this. Vanity Fair comes from John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, where he goes through a period of emptiness. I mean, who cares who dated who? I read something the other day. It says, you know you're getting old when you don't know anybody that's in People magazine anymore. And guess what? I could care less. I mean, who cares who wore what fashion on the red carpet this week? I mean, what's it going to matter five minutes from now or 50 minutes from now or five years from now or 50 years from now or 1,000 years from now? Sadly, sadly, though, 
A lot of people give their first-class allegiance to second-class causes. Think about that. You give first-class allegiance to second-hand, second-class causes. Now, Jesus came to set you free from that empty life, that purposeless life. When you're empty, what happens? You start looking to other people to validate your life. One of the sad things I've seen in my life, my 45 years in the ministry, is a lot of people who are still trying to prove their worth to their parents, and their parents have been dead for years. I got news for you, friends. If you haven't lived up to your parents' expectations by now, you're never going to do that. In fact, I'm going to take it a little further. It's your parents' problem. That's not your problem. The good news is you don't need anybody's approval for you to be happy. After all, you've already got God's approval. God says, you are worthy, you are loved, you are valuable. And you see that, whether it's through baptism or communion or through the cross, you hear it in his word. See, radical freedom doesn't look to anybody to validate my worth. Why? Because I'm a child of God. That's radical freedom. Now, most of the world doesn't live by that, that rule. They're kind of culture-driven and not purpose-driven. So they're not really free. And so the power of culture, what we live in, keeps us from becoming everything that God wants us to be. I mean, our uniqueness, who we really are, that God created, is kind of gets squashed because you're somehow told you have to fit into this certain mold in order to be, I don't know, loved or liked. But Jesus wants to be, have you so free that you don't need to ha feel like you have to fit in anywhere to find happiness. Colossians 2 says, You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the evil powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world? I was thinking about this. Why would I care what other people think? You know, the big myth is that everybody's looking at you all the time. I got news for you. They're not looking at you. They're looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, how do I look? They don't care about you. They only care about themselves. Here's number five. Radical freedom is no fear of death or the devil. This is a big one. The last time I checked, and I Googled this yesterday, so I think I got this right, the mortality rate in America is 100%. I think that's, that's pretty close. In other words, unless Jesus comes back, everybody dies. We don't know whether it will be in the next 50 seconds, 50 minutes, 50 days, 50 years, but it's inevitable. God did not put us here to live forever. He put us here so that when we die, we could live with him there in heaven forever. But Satan, it's Satan, the old devil creates this fear of death in our lives. People don't like talking about death. In fact, you ever want to mess some people's minds over, invite them over to your house, grill some burgers and say, let's talk about death and dying. <laughs> but I tell you that only a fool, only a fool would go through this life unprepared for what they know is inevitable. You're all going to die. You ought to be prepared for what's going to happen next. And Jesus said, I came to set you free from the, the fear of dying. Now, I want to tell you this more. I, I think I can say this in all honesty. I have zero fear of dying. Fear of pain? Yeah. <laughs> fear of dying? No. 
I could die today a happy man. My only regret, my only regret would be for my wife and for my kids and my grandson and for people I love. See, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is what? It's gain. He said that when you die, if you know the Lord, you're not leaving home, you're going home. You're going where you were meant to be, and you're going to live there forever. So why would I want to be afraid to be with someone I love so much? Friends, when love comes in the front door of your life, guess what? Fear goes out the back. But when fear comes in the front door, guess what? Love goes out the back. Love and fear. Now, we're talking about Valentine's Day here in the next day. Love and fear cannot operate in the same entity. See, Jesus not only frees us from the fear of death, but he also frees us from the fear of the devil. And believe me, if there are some of you this morning that do not believe in the devil, you want to come with me to Haiti in two weeks, where voodoo is still practiced? I could take you to places and make your hair stand on end to see the power of the devil at work. I don't need to take you there. It's there. And a lot of people are scared to death of the devil. But let, let, me, let me draw you a picture. Maybe you've got a pen or a pencil, you can do this. But I, I, want you to picture, I want you to picture your life as being a circle. So I'm going to draw a circle, and in there I'm going to write my name, Barry. I'm in a circle. That's my life. Around that, I'm going to draw another circle. Because the Bible says that you are in Christ. So here I am in the middle circle, next circle, in Christ. The Bible also says, I'm going to draw another circle around those two circles. The Bible also says that when you are in Christ, you are hid with God. And then I'm going to draw another circle around that one because the Bible also says you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. So you got that? Here's you. Then what? Then you are in Christ. Then you are hid in God in Christ. And then finally you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Got that picture? What does the devil have to go through in order to get to you? I think we call it the Trinity, right? The devil has got to go through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to get to you. I mean, what did Jesus say? Greater is he that's in you than he, the devil, that's in this world. Now, can Satan dominate your life as a believer? Oh, sure. How? This may be one of the most important things I say today. Remember this. Satan can only control areas where you believe his lies. Satan can only control areas where you believe his lies. See, Satan has no authority, if you're a child of God, to take possession of your life. Now, he can mess you up really good if you believe his lies. He only operates by suggestion. See, when the devil gives you a thought, what do we call that? Temptation. When God gives you a thought, we call that inspiration. And when you get a thought on your own, we call that just plain dumb. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Remember, the truth sets you free, but lies do the opposite. Satan is the father of lies, and if I choose to believe his lies, he's going to mess me up. So, the question is, how do I live this radical life? Let me give you three quick things. Number one, always be committed submitted to God's Spirit. It means you're constantly talking to the Lord throughout the day. 
Jesus, what do you want me to do in this situation? You're surrendering, you're submitting, you're always yielding to that still small voice, that godly conscience. If you live, listen to God long enough, he'll give you the ideas. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 17. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Not religion, not a denomination, but freedom. So I let the freedom of God's spirit live in me. This is where the power comes from. I got Jesus inside of me. And the more power I have to do something, the more freedom I have to do it. And the power that God gives you is the freedom to do the right thing. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to submit to his power. Here's the second thing I'm going to do. I'm going to always trust the truth. That's, that's the target I'm moving towards, trusting the truth. When you trust God's word, you're going to be okay. But if you doubt God's word, I'm going to tell you something. You are going to get in deep trouble. The truth is, sadly, and here I, I have a feeling I'm speaking to some of you this morning, some of you do not trust God's truth nearly as much as you trust your own personal feelings. And the reason I know that's true is because I fall into that same trap. Let me give you some examples. For example, God says to all of us, friends, do you want me to bless your finances? Then put me first in your finances and tithe. But we sit there and we go, man, I don't feel like doing that. I don't, feel, I don't feel like I can afford that. And so we trust our feelings rather than the truth. And as a result, we miss out on God's blessings. I'll give you another one. Somebody has hurt you. Said something bad about you. Got into an argument. I don't care what. Somebody hurt you badly. You know that God's truth says you must forgive that other person. Let it go. Don't hold a grudge. But what do you do? You don't feel like letting go. You don't feel like apologizing. You don't feel like doing anything until they do it first. God says sex ought to be saved for marriage. Again, what do we say? Don't feel like it. Don't feel like waiting. I'm going to go with my feelings. And as a result, we miss out on so many blessings of God in our life. I got to tell you, God doesn't make all this stuff up just to mess you over. God is trying to save you from broken hearts and broken minds and broken dreams and broken promises. If you want to be free, submit to the Spirit, trust the truth. Why? If you continue in my word, then you're really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Last one. I always use my freedom to serve other people. Jimmy, do you, have the, you have that heading today for that scripture reading. What did you say that was? Do you have that handy? Because uh, it, it struck me. It fits in this last part. Yeah, it goes from freedom to sin to freedom to serve. And that's really this last part. I have the freedom to serve other people. I mean, that's a really important point here. I want you to think about this. When you wake up tomorrow morning, if you were just to lay there for a moment and say, okay, God, let's review all you've done for me. One, I'm completely forgiven. I have a clear conscience. Two, no matter what happens to me, I have personal access to you. Three, you're going to give me the power to say no when I need to say no and yes when I need to say yes. 
Uh, four, you're going to give me a life of meaning and purpose. I don't need to depend on the validation of other people to make me happy. And oh, by the way, if I should happen to die today, that's okay, because I know where I'm going. And I'm not afraid about what the devil might throw at me, because I'm going to submit to the Spirit. I'm going to trust the truth. I'm going to give my life to serving other people. Think that might change your day, if that's how you started your day. See, I think that's real radical freedom. Now, when you're that free, when you're that free, and you look around and you see other people that are still in slavery, what do you think that calls you to do? I'd suggest once you're out of prison, the best thing you could do would be to help other people get out of there too. Share the good news. And what is the good news? Well, the good news simply is Jesus sets people free. All my many friends down at Louisiana State Prison in Angola, these guys will tell you point blank, Doc, we are freer than most people who live outside the walls of this prison. That's what the Christian brothers will say. We have more freedom than people who sit in your church, some of them. Because we have heard the truth, we know the truth, and the truth has set us free. The Bible says it this way, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Paul says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Last week, one of the challenges I laid out to you was just to pray that the Lord would help you work through you to bring one person to Jesus. One person, not 20, not 15, not 100, one, one person. If you're free, why not help somebody else get free? Every day of your life, you are either growing in freedom or you're growing in bondage. There's no middle ground where you're just resting. Growing in freedom, growing in bondage. It's your choice. If the sun sets you free, what? You'll be free indeed. Well, that's passage, Galatians 5.1. Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to become slaves again. May God grant that for Jesus' sake. Amen.